Well, hey everyone, Athena Dean Holtz here and welcome to the All Things Podcast, where we gather once a week to learn and share stories about how God works all things together, writing a story of good because He is faithful and good. Think about it, 2020 has turned many of our lives upside down, so who couldn't use a major dose of hope? I'd like to ask you to share this podcast with friends or on your social media outlets and perhaps review it on Apple so others will find this podcast easily. Every Wednesday, I'll be chatting with a friend who I know and respect, one of our Redemption Press authors, who will not only share a personal Romans 8.28 story, but also help to give you tips and tools for your life journey. Two episodes a month, we'll have an additional interview with a well-known author, and sprinkled in along the way will be additional Romans 828 stories from our She Writes for Him bootcamp graduates and others the Lord brings my way. So let's get started. Welcome to today's episode of the All Things Podcast. I am super excited to introduce you to three She Writes for Him boot camp graduates and sharing a Romans 828 story on this podcast is part of the 21 day boot camp experience. And for most, it is their first ever podcast interview and nerve wracking, but so much fun. So today's episode, you're going to meet first off Rita Davis, then our second bootcamp graduate is Jody Allen, and then finally Teresa Moyer. All three women have amazing Romans 828 stories to share with us today, and I know you will be encouraged. So let's roll those conversations. Well, Rita Davis, it is an honor to have you join us on the Romans 828 All Things podcast today as a graduate of our She Writes for Him boot camp. Welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you. You bet. I've been looking forward to this with fear and trepidation. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Not really. But I, I am glad to tell my story, so... Well, I think it shows a little bit about how God can use circumstances the way we don't expect it. <laughs> so. Amen. Well, I'm going to just welcome you onto the digital stage and say, share the Romans 828 story that God put on your heart to share today. Take it away. Okay, thank you. So my story begins basically as an oldest child who always had to be in charge of everything. (laughs) Ah. And I had been a supervisor in in several areas, in a nursing home and and in community health positions where I was more independent and doing, you know, in charge of my own clientele and things like that. And so this, I had been home for about 16 years and uh, being a mom, And so I was ready to go back into the workforce, I thought, and I saw this job being advertised and I thought that it was a good fit for me. And 
I was real excited about it, although I didn't technically have all the qualifications that they wanted me to have, but they also said that life experience was going to be a consideration. Well, I had a lot of life experience, so I thought, all right, that's good. And so I polished up my resume, and if you're familiar with the book, What Color Is Your Parachute? I was using that as my guide, and so I really thought I had a pretty nice resume by the time I tweaked everything and, and looked at the life experience and put those things in and all of that. So I felt pretty full of myself, I guess, at the time. And it was, it was interesting because a lady from our church typed my resume and she kind of commented on that. <laughs> she thought I was a little bit too heady. <laughs> so... And I said, but those things are all true. And, you know, we often hesitate to say good things about ourselves. And in a resume, I felt like, you know, that what color is your parachute says you need to play those up. So I was playing them up. <laughs> so that's what I was doing. So I had a lot of confidence and I went to the interview and there was, I felt some good reception of, of myself and my resume and so I was feeling even better. I felt like God's favor was on this whole process. And I just knew <laughs> that that job was going to be mine. So in a few days, I received word that I was the top contender. And I would be notified by the end of the next week. So I felt even more confident because I had that special, you know, kind of assurance inside of myself. I thought was from God and I had prayed about it. But to my surprise, in a few days, I got a notice that, nope, that wasn't my position. And oh, my goodness, I just was so let down and I cried about it. <laughs> I don't cry about very many things, but I cried about that. And oh, several weeks, I just couldn't get past my disappointment. And I just wondered how I could have falsely interpreted what I felt was God's word to me. And it was hard to think about other things at that point because I was so consumed by my disappointment. But a few months after that position was filled, the number one person who, who had that position was let go and phased out. That whole position was cut and I just, you know, when I read that in the newspaper, I just had to smile because I felt like God had just protected me from that. And I didn't have that big buildup of having the job, having received the job and then being let go and, and being down. So I did manage to tweak my resume again and apply for a different job. And that was with seriously emotionally disturbed children and their families. And it was funded by a, a grant in the local community mental health. And I did get that role and it seemed to really fit me well. It was, um, I, I like to visit in people's homes and do the community health thing with families. And that was a, a great job for me. I didn't know, however, at that time that we were also going to get three children in who were seriously emotionally disturbed. <laughs> and so I was living that 24 seven and so, difficult so, children. So, you Sorry. had foster children. They weren't really foster children. We were their legal wards, and or they were our legal wards, and we were their guardians. And my husband and I had prayed about the situation, 
previously, but we didn't know it was really going to go through. But they were my parents' foster son's children. <laughs> so that's how we knew them. They had really been traumatized and their father and their mother weren't living together. They had had a lot of violence between them. And I think the children were in the process of going to be removed from their home if they didn't go somewhere. So he, he finally decided that we could take them. So between my mother and another woman in the community, they watched the children while I was out seeing other troubled children. Wow. <laughs> and so there was a client that came, that came to mind as I was thinking about this position. And she was, she was a teenager. I went to their house and knocked on the door and I could hear screams <laughs> from, <laughs> from the outside. And they were cursing at each other and bawling and just carrying on. And boy, I, I just felt, okay, God, I'm over my head in this one. You're going to have to help me here. And all at once, I just felt really calm and sure of what I needed to say to them. So what I told them is that their next week's assignment was every day they had to look each other in the eye and say, I love you and give each other a hug. And right away, oh, what if I don't mean it? I don't mean it. You know, this girl was saying it. And I said, nope, you don't have to mean it. Just say it. <laughs> and the next time I came, they were sitting next to each other on the couch and touching each other on the knees and just smiling at each other. <laughs> wow. And I just had to say, thank you, God. <laughs> because I knew that he was in that response and Things just really went quite well after that between the two of them. And I just, I knew that God had used that whole situation just to give me a job that I could shine in, I guess. <laughs> he could shine in. He could be glorified. Yeah. I love that. And what so, a great example yeah. of Romans 8, 28. First, he didn't let you get that job. You were just so sure he wanted you to have protected you from that and then gave you a job that would probably I would think it helped you be a better parent to your foster children right and how cool is that yeah, yeah. I love that <laughs> so tell me if, if you can think of something that has been a tool that you've used in your life to remember, even when things don't look so good, that God is working in the background, working things together for good, even when you couldn't see it. Did you have anything that you that you can look back and say, yeah, when I did this, when I stayed in the word or when was there anything that you could point to that would be a help maybe to someone listening today? Well, I. Yes, I mean, I have been in the Word, and, and I, I count on that, and I think that's how God brought that to mind in the first place, is because I kind of keep that vertical relationship going. <laughs> you know, Paul told us to pray continually, and I can't say that I'm constantly praying, praying, but I have that channel open, and I, I keep him in mind because I need him. And, and there are many times I'm over my head, 
I think of another situation where one of these children, the middle child, had a whole bunch of Halloween candy. And he had gone to a church party. We don't really celebrate Halloween, but he had gone to a church party, kind of a harvest party kind of thing. And he had a whole bag full of candy. And we had two, we had three of our Korean children, all three of our Korean adopted children home at the time. One was a senior in high school and the other one a freshman, I think, and then our, our special needs son. But I asked him to go around and they they were reluctant to call me mom and they were reluctant to even be in our home, actually. They, they were really, like I say, they were traumatized and they didn't trust anybody and they were really difficult children. And so I said to him, I said, just go around and tell everybody, please help yourself to my candy and I love you. And he did that. And you know, that just changed the whole atmosphere of the home. It just did. And it's, it's just one of those things that saying that you love someone, even if you don't necessarily feel it at the time, but just saying it is powerful. God loves us and we love him and we have to love other people because he told us to. And so that's, that's what I count on is just trying to be, to love others that way and to help others love that way. So that I, I think is an important part. I don't know if that answered your question. I hope it did. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely it did. And that is a powerful tool to say, to declare, I love you, even when I can't even show it or even when I don't feel it. Right. Because think of how many times we've been unlovable to God and he loved us. Yeah. And I think love is really a decision more than a feeling. Yeah. So. Amen. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been delightful to just hear more about your journey and just how God has worked all things together for good because you love him and are called according to his purposes. So God bless you. And yeah, thank you so much. Well, Jody Allen, great to have you here on the All Things Podcast. Welcome to the show today. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. You bet. So as a boot camper, graduate of the She Writes for Him Boot Camp, uh, you shared with me your, or one of your many, I'm sure, Romans 828 stories where yes. God worked all things together for good. Yes. And we would just love to have you take the digital stage and share that story with our listeners today. Well, the Romans 828 story that I wanted to share with you today started back in September of 2013. Summer had ended and my kids were back in school. And I noticed the first week of school that one of my children were struggling. So I went to the place that we all go for help and that's Google, right? So I went to Google and found what I needed and I went to print what I needed and I accidentally deleted the printer icon. And so I said, okay, I'll plug in Canon because we had a Canon printer into the search bar. And when I did that, it brought up all things Canon. It brought up Canon applications. It brought up Canon song titles and documents, but it also brought up pictures that were taken with a Canon camera. And it brought up a lot of pictures and they were pictures of people that I didn't know. And so the question, the questions immediately started in my mind. I was like, who are these people? 
why are they on my computer? But the most important question I had was, where are their clothes? So my stomach sank and then my heart was just racing in my chest and I immediately went into detective mode. And I figured if there were pictures taken with a Canon camera on my, on my computer, there must be pictures taken with other camera brands. And so I started plugging in camera brands. I plugged in Nikon and Pentax and Sony. And as I plugged in each camera brand, more pictures of barely clothed people appeared on my screen. And as each batch of pictures flashed on the screen, I just felt my whole world crumbling down around me. And I knew that my husband had struggled with pornography in the past, but I didn't know that it was a struggle now. So it was on that Saturday in September that started the journey that Satan meant for evil, but that God meant for good. We went, my husband went to a three month residential treatment center. We went to weekend intensive. We did gobs of counseling. We spent tons of money and we shed a whole bunch of tears. And um, God has truly taken all those things that were broken and sad and hard and used them for the good of my family. Now, we haven't had a fairytale ending, though. My husband and I are divorced, but God had used the trauma in my marriage to teach me things that I never would have learned otherwise. And so I, I have a whole list of things that I felt like God, because knowledge is good, right? So mm-hmm. I felt like from that experience, God taught me a lot of things that have been good for me and for my family. And the first thing really in counseling was that I had to acknowledge and deal with my own trauma from my own past and, and, and what was happening in my life. And through that process of counseling and separation and divorce, I had to take a long look in the mirror. And sometimes the person that I see in the mirror is not really the person that I want to be. And so I really had to acknowledge and deal with the person that was actually in the mirror and the things that I needed to change, which is good because we all, God does not want to leave us where we are. The other thing that I learned is that divorce really is not a death sentence. People that are, people get divorced every day. People make it through divorce and recover from divorce every single day. And I want to be one of those people who lives victorious, even though my marriage ended in divorce. And when we walked through this whole pornography process, our children were younger and I had to learn to parent differently because we had walked that road and my children's cell phone usage and their social media usage was very different than a lot of other families. But I, we had to walk a different road because that's the the journey that God had us on. And the other thing is God is not broke because counseling and treatment centers are expensive. We probably spent $25,000 that we did not have that God provided. So God is so good. And he provided for us. And it was, it was miraculous. It was just miraculous to us. There was, there were times that we would just go and check our mailbox and This happened for probably four years after the fact. We would go and check our mailbox and we would just open up and there would be that Target gift card in there for $50 with no name on the card. So God would just keep showing up time after time after time. Uh, So I learned that God is not broke. He is not broke. Hmm. Also learned that I can do hard things. I don't want to do hard things. None of us want to do hard things, but I truly can do hard things. 
And I have a choice to make. I don't have to live as a victim while I was a victim. I don't have to live and think like a victim. And I don't have. And that, that, that piece right there, that's so important because when things have been done to us, yes, we are a victim, but we shouldn't stay there because, you know, those to be able to say to God, okay, how come I missed that? What didn't I see? Where could I have maybe picked up on a red flag that, that I didn't, you know, to be able right. to actually learn something from it instead of just blame the other person and they are wrong. Right. But you used it, God used it in your life as a teachable moment for you. Oh yes. Because I don't, didn't want to be the victim. I truly wanted to be victorious of the process. And I remember when this whole thing started, I remember I got a very, uh, when it started on that Saturday in September, I got a special journal. Cause I thought, you know, someday, you know, I'm, I'm going to want to know that I'm going to, probably write about this journey. And I want to walk this journey in a very special journal. And I remember thinking, I do not want to get on the other side of this. And I don't want my children to get on the other side of this and be victims. I want us to get through this and do it well and do it well. Amen. Um, I also learned that shame and humiliation will not kill me while it is hard and it hurts. It's uncomfortable and I don't like it. I really will survive. But shame and humiliation are so, so hard. Mm -hmm. And then I think the last part that I feel like God really wanted to use for good is just writing a book. I'm writing a book for women who have walked in similar shoes like me. And it really is a call to courage for Christian women who have found themselves with pornography in their relationship. It's an invitation for them to step out of the darkness to step out of the shame and to bring their tears and their heartache into the light and let God walk them through that. Mm. So have you found God bringing women into your life that are kind of maybe where you were back on that Saturday Yeah. so that you can actually, you know, minister to them and bring them some comfort like Jesus brought you? Oh, yes. There have definitely been women, but I will say that there are a lot more women because mm-hmm. of the shame. Yeah. There's so much shame, especially I think within Christian circles and within the church, because we try so hard as Christian women to look like we have it all together. And if you go to somebody and say, my husband is using pornography, then it makes it look like you don't have it all together. Right. right. So there are so many women. I, I don't know if you know this statistic, but one in five mobile searches is for pornography. Mm. That's mm. that's a and lot it's of probably no different in the world than it, and the, and in the church. Just right. like divorce is fifty percent in the world, fifty percent in the church. I'll bet that number maybe is even higher. In yeah, the, I the feel Christian like community. it's like sixty five percent of Christian men view pornography at least once a month. It's a, mm. it's a pretty significant number. Yeah. And that's what, that's what's reported. And so if that many men are struggling, that means that many women who are, who are girlfriends or wives are struggling in silence, in silence, yep. because suffering in silence seems like a better option than humiliation. Yeah. The amazing thing here is if you did, and it takes a lot of courage to be able to say, you know, I don't care how much humiliation there is. I'm going to speak up about it. That's what actually gives other women 
permission to say, me too. Right. Where they wouldn't have done it before. Right. You know, I remember when I used to go to Bible study, we would struggle in our marriage because pornography was simmering under the surface. And I would go and I was struggling, but I didn't, I didn't really want to, I didn't really say anything. And in my mind, I was like, well, I'm protecting his reputation. When in reality, I think that was really protecting my own. Ooh. You know? Yep. And that is, it's so good when God shows us that because it's like, okay, forgive me, Lord. That was not (laughs) righteous at all. Right. Oh, wow. Amen. So I really want to, for this book as, you know, for God to use it for good and to help women to take baby steps of courage. So, you know, at the end of all the chapters, I have just a call to courage, just a little baby step that women can take. And the first thing is they really, they have to tell somebody. Yeah. They they have to tell somebody and to educate themselves and to recognize and identify, you know, the disappointments and the expectations and the fears that they have. And really to seek counseling and to learn how to appropriately express their feelings and, and to really take a look at the person in the mirror as you walk through this. Mm. And you said something earlier too, where you just said, okay, I got to deal with my own stuff because often wounded people marry wounded people, yeah. <laughs> you know? And yeah. so we've got our own stuff that because a lot of times it hasn't we haven't been healed. We haven't allowed that God to into those places because it is so painful. That puts us in a place of either not seeing the red flags, not discerning, you know, the d- things that are wrong, or right. being just unwilling to go there and just looking the other way because it just triggers more pain. So we'll just hope it goes away, which it doesn't. Right. Sweeping the rug does not make it go away. Exactly. So that's a very healthy thing to come to a place of, okay, what do I need to deal with? I mean, I can point the finger at him because yeah, what he did was wrong, but what about me? God, what, what can we do so that I can be healthy? That's so good. And that's been so hard because, you know, we want to think that we're, you know, right or we're perfect and we're just not, we're just yep. not. And we Amen. all have blind sides. Yes. Amen. Amen. So if we have some women who are listening today and, and they want to maybe connect with you on social media, is there a place where you're most active or a website or anything like that? Yes, I'm active on Instagram and Facebook and at Jody Allen Writes or just Jody Allen. I, I do both. And then my website is jodyallenwrites.com. So awesome. I'm at all of those places. Well, it has been delightful to have you on today. And I can't wait till the book is finished and we can have you on for a full interview. But this was so good. And so, I mean, that's a, a Romans 828 story. It that- is took something really hard, but God has worked so much good out of it and lots more to come. So thank thank you you so much. Thank you, Athena. You bet. Well, Teresa, it is such a delight to have you with us today on the All Things Podcast. For those of you listening, Teresa is a recent boot camp graduate where she got to go through the 21 days of She Writes for Him boot camp with 
30 other women who are just endeavoring to figure out how God wants them to tell their story. And it was just so cool to, to watch God unfold so much of that during that 21 days with you, Teresa. So welcome to the podcast. And I'm just so excited you're here. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. Well, we all have lots of Romans 8:28 stories, but you have a pretty significant one that I would love for you to share with our listeners. So I'm just going to turn the digital stage over to you and just let you share the story and I might interject here and there. We'll just take it from here. Okay, yes, thank you. For years, I'd wanted to advance into management in the um, IDD career. I'd always worked as a support staff and did all the caregiving stuff, but I wanted to manage a home. And so God knew I'd been wanting to manage a home for a really long time. So I started applying for management positions in the company I worked for for 16 years. And the first time I applied, I felt no resistance from God. And so I thought, woohoo, okay, that God's going to allow me to move into management. But I got a rejection. And then the second time I applied, I got another rejection. And so that's when God started speaking to me about that his plan was not for me to be in management in this company. Well, stubborn me, I wouldn't (laughs) listen. And so I applied a third time. And of course, was turned down and I applied a fourth time. Well, the fourth time that I applied and was turned down, I actually talked to the administration and told them that they didn't have to worry about me applying anymore. They had made it loud and clear that they weren't going to hire me for management. Well, the fifth time came around in the absolute perfect home that I wanted to manage, which was the home I'd worked in for 16 years. So I went ahead and applied. God kept saying no. He was very clear in his no. No, no. But I was determined. I was determined to prove everybody wrong. I was Mm. determined to be the introvert that could be a manager. Mm. I was ready to prove my mom wrong. I was ready to prove my coworkers wrong. I was ready to prove that an obese woman in her 50s could get advanced into management. It became my plan. Mm. It became my, my mission to prove everyone wrong. And God kept saying, no, well, I applied, really did not think I would get it. Well, I got it. And I was ecstatic. I was going to be assistant manager. And in the home I'd worked in for 16 years, the clients were like my family and I liked all my staff. So I started towards the end of January when I was finally able to move into my position. I took a client that was in a wheelchair to her physical therapy appointment for a new wheelchair eval. And when I got there, the normal handicap parking spot for wheelchair vans was slightly down an, an incline. And I did not want to park down there because at that time I weighed almost 425 pounds. Loading and unloading a wheelchair, my weight was already exhausting. I was like, I'm not pushing her up this incline in this wheelchair. 
So I'm going to park in the loading zone, which is also wheelchair van accessible. And I heard God say, don't park there. But of course, I ignored God saying, don't park there. (laughs) And I parked there anyway. Now, when I got out of the van to unload her, there was a speed bump there. But the speed bump extended way into the parking space. So I would have to step over that speed bump in order to get around to the other side of the van. So I unloaded her. We went in for a physical therapy appointment. That lasted about 45 minutes. By the time I was ready to load her back up in the van, I was in an excruciating amount of pain. And I was tired. So I got her up the wheelchair ramp in the van. Part of her wheelchair tied down. I folded the ramp up, closed the van door, and headed around the other side of the van, forgetting there was a speed bump there. Well, my toe hit the speed bump, and in slow motion, I could feel myself falling. But here's the God thing. As I started to fall, I should have landed on my right side, but I felt my body twisting to the left as my left arm extended out to the pavement. And I landed on my left side instead of my right side. I'm right-handed. So God saved me in a sense of I didn't injure my dominant side, but I did injure myself pretty um, significant. I broke my little finger. That was the first injury I noticed because it was laying across the back of my hand. Clearly, I knew I was hurt. But then after I got myself sat up, I couldn't lift my left arm up at all. It was like it was stuck to my side. And I don't even know how I got my cell phone out of my left pocket. And I called the group home house to let my manager know that I had fallen and I was hurt and that I knew my little finger was hurt, but I couldn't get up off the ground. He, he later told me when I called him, I was so calm. It wasn't until he pulled up and all these people are around me and the ambulance was there. Could he see how badly I was injured? And that wasn't just a broken finger, but I had severely dislocated my elbow, one of the worst dislocations they had ever seen. I chipped off part of the bone that holds the socket in. And in that injury, one, God protected my head because my head did hit the pavement, but it should have hit the pavement a lot harder than it did. So he must have had his hands there to catch me. My body twisted to the left, so my right dominant side was not injured. And in my time off from work, God did wonderful things in my life. I was able to clearly hear him as to why there was the nose. Well, God spoke to me and showed me that this is why it was a no. This is not where I wanted you at. I think he'd been preparing me to leave the company through my mom's death. But because I wasn't listening to him, I was doing my own thing. And boy, I learned a hard lesson on doing your own thing. You don't do your own thing. Don't go ahead of God. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean he won't protect you. He won't bless you. He won't still provide for you. But you will have to suffer the consequences of choosing your own path. So through this fall, I ended up being out of work for a good year of not being able to be 
doing my full duties because my elbow never healed. So the fall was in March of 2018. I ended up having elbow reconstruction surgery February of 2019. So of course that put me right back into staying at home for a couple of weeks and then coming to work and only doing desk work because now I was recovering from elbow surgery. So were you in the new position at this yes. point? Yes. Okay. Okay. And they really couldn't take me out of that position because it was an on-the-job fall. Right. On-the-job injury. So they were sort of kind of a blessing. Their hands were tied. The, the last part of that whole adventure was my mom's sudden decline in her health. She had been suffering from some memory issues and some allergy flare-up issues as they were reconstructing her street in front of her house. Well, I had a feeling there was more going on with her than just the dust and the sewer smell and the asphalt smell from all of the road construction, but she wouldn't let go and get help. She refused to get any help. So I started going over after work and checking on her for about five days. Well, on a Thursday afternoon, something in my spirit just said, you need to leave work early and get to your mom's house. So I stopped at the store, picked up the items she requested and went over to her house. I found her unconscious in bed with her eyes open, staring at the ceiling, struggling to breathe. And she had foam all around her mouth, non-responsive. And that sort of was the tail end of my odd, crumbling, eye-opening journey of God's path. So I called 911. The ambulance came. She never did regain consciousness. By the time they allowed me back into the room in the ER was about four hours later. And when I went back there, they had already had her intubated on life support. And I looked at the nurse and the doctor and I said, my mom never wanted to be on life support. He said, well, that's not in her file. And I said, and nobody asked me. She does not want to be on life support. She made that very clear to me. Well, <clears throat> I said, well, we need to keep her on because we're still running tests. And so they were doing an MRI and a CAT scan and all that to figure out why she wasn't regaining consciousness. So had she had a seizure? Is that They is said that, that she had had a seizure and aspirated because the chest x-ray showed aspiration pneumonia. But when they did the CAT scan of her head, they found that she had a very large brain tumor that none of us knew about. Wow. Well, that explains some of her odd behavior in the last couple of weeks of her life. And so she was in ICU for four days. And on the fourth day, it was a Sunday morning. And at 9 a.m., I asked them to turn life support off. She was a believer. Mm. So I knew that's that she was ready to go. That's where she wanted to be. And because my mom and I had a tumultual relationship as far as her being very controlling and me being the people pleaser to keep the peace. The really sad memory I have of sitting in the ICU room with my mom was when she wakes up and finds that she's on a ventilator, is she going to be angry with me because I didn't keep her wish of life, no life support. And that opened my eyes to how fractured her and I's relationship was on my side. Now, God used that fall to get me back onto the path that he intended for me to be on. 
And that was a path of ministry because I had gone to Bible college and gotten a degree in ministry. And then I'd gone and got my bachelor's in Christian counseling. I sort of settled back into what I knew, and that was caregiving. It was a population of people I absolutely love and adore to be with. But it wasn't God's calling. Mm. Now, I could have used that calling to work with that population, but my calling wasn't to change diapers and feed people and give people showers. I know that's not what God called me to do. He called me to share my story, which was surviving childhood abuse, peer-to-peer abuse, and my time away from God, because I didn't come and find the Lord again until I was 29, 30. I was introduced to the Lord as a child through BBS, but I walked away and became very angry at God and hated God for years and years and years. But yet, Through my healing period, I can look back and I see God's hand in my life all the way through of how he protected me from things. Yes, he let me go through hardships and things I didn't like, but he really protected me through so many things that I didn't deserve to be protected from. I was Mm. so angry with him, but God provided. God Mm. taught me ways to take care of myself alone. He provided a, my friend who I knew through work to provide meals for me. I was very blessed during that time. And God spoke to me and he said, you need to write your story. I've been telling you to write your story. And I'd been telling God, but I don't know how to write. Mm-hmm. And so I was in a Bible study with Christine Abraham. And she had heard she had heard me talking about my story and that God was calling me to write a book. So one day she sent me an email with a link and she said, here, here's a writing conference I want you to attend. And that was your first She Writes for Him writing conference. I love that. I clicked the link and signed up. And so she sent me to you, which gave me the skills and the boldness to start writing. So I started writing. And over the last year, I have written my very rough, rough first draft. And uh, by the time I was ready to turn it in and sign a contract with you, I was at 38,000 words. So I'm excited to see where this will go, that God opens so many doors. Oh, another blessing through all of this is after my mom passed away, I suffered PTSD. Anything to do with hospitals, ambulances, Mm. I would Mm -hmm. go into a panic attack because of how I found my mom. So I couldn't handle a client emergency that required an ambulance and a hospital visit. And I actually had to have the support staff working the floor, go to the hospital with the client and take my place. That's when I knew I couldn't do my job anymore. And I went, okay, Lord, I know you're asking me to resign. But how am I going to pay my bills? I can't get another job. I'm not employable. And so I was like, God, you're going to have to provide. So he told me to resign. I obeyed and I wrote my resignation letter after being there 16 years. That was really difficult to do. But I'm glad I did it. That was probably the best thing I did was step away from that job that I wasn't supposed to have. That jo- I know that job would, would have killed me. If not physically and put me in the grave, but it would have killed me spiritually and emotionally. I was I was at a breaking point and God knew it. And he rescued me. I fell 
he caught me. So right now I'm living off of the house sale, but it gave me the opportunity to have doors open for me to attend your conference, the time to write, the time to heal, the time to heal during the writing. Sadly, it took that fall to get me to be back on God's path, but I'm grateful for that fall. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. That's a Romans 8:28. He yes. used that worked all that all together for good, even yes. though you were hard-headed and you were trying to prove that they're wrong and you're right and you should be in manager. I mean, all of that, you know, mm-hmm. we're so, you know, it's not where God wants us, but he takes what we are mm-hmm. and will take that and use it and taught, I mean you learned that lesson a lot better from that pain than if it you'd succeeded and gotten in there the first time. And, oh, yeah. you know, you never yeah. would have walked away. And I right. spent my entire life feeling I was broken, wasn't yeah. good enough, would never measure up. I never believed God made a mistake because I, I never believed that. But it still, it hurts to hear other people that you value what they think tell you, you need to change. Yeah. So I know that's where my hard headness came from when I kept getting rejected. So I'm going to prove all these people wrong. God used it for good. Mm -hmm. That, you know, that will speak volumes to the people that he calls you to minister to. Yes. And I just am so glad we got this chance to talk about how he worked in the midst of all of that rebellion Mm-hmm. And all of that pain, and he's so good, he's so faithful. Oh, he is, yes, yep, yep. Yes. So, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being with us today. I'm excited to have you back when your book's done. Yes, and in the meantime, blessings on your ministry as you continue to write for him. Thank you, glad to be here. Amen. Well, I hope those stories brought you some encouragement today and perhaps a new perspective of how God might be working all things together for good, maybe in your life or someone that you're praying for and just not seeing how he's going to turn it around. If you've also had in your heart or in your mind an idea about writing your story, or you have a manuscript that's gathering dust that needs to be reworked or fine-tuned or completely rewritten, I would love to invite you to consider joining us for the next She Writes For Him Bootcamp, 21 Days From Idea to Blueprint. It's coming up this October. It's a virtual event held in a private Facebook group that lasts for 21 days, the majority of which schedule-wise is highly flexible. This October will be our fifth boot camp, and every time, I just don't see how God can do better, but every time it's just more amazing. And the women come away with such heartfelt, goals and determination and a plan to move forward with that dream that they've always had to write their story. So God is 
absolutely blessed us with an incredible teaching team, and we would love to have you join us. For all the details, go to www.SheWritesForHimBootCamp.com. Well, thanks for joining us today for the All Things Podcast brought to you by Redemption Press and the Romans 828 Bookstore. So, hey, I'd like to ask you a favor. If you would, consider sharing this episode with your friends on social media. And if you haven't yet left a review of the podcast on Apple, I would love it if you would take a minute to do that as it would help other people find the show and also let them know that it's a show worth listening to. So thanks so much for joining us today and I will see you next week. Bye for now.